I want us now to turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 19. And I'm going to be speaking tonight on one of the words Jesus said from the cross. It's recorded for us in 19. And it's verses 17 to 27 I'm going to read. But my focus will be on verses 26 and 27. John 19, beginning at verse 17 and and reading through verse 27. Dear people, this is the word of God. And he bearing his cross went forth into a place called the place of a skull, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him. And two other with him. On either side, Jesus in the midst. And Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. And the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. This title then read many of the Jews, for the place where Jesus was crucified was nigh to the city, and it was written in Hebrew and Greek and Latin. Then said the chief priest of the Jews to Pilate, Write not the King of the Jews, but that he said I am king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. And the soldiers who, uh, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments, made four parts, to every soldier a part, and also his coat. Now the coat was, without seam, woven from the top throughout. They said, therefore, among themselves, Let us not rend it, but cast lots for it, whose it shall be that the scripture might be fulfilled, which saith, they parted my garments among them, and for my vesture they did cast lots. These things, therefore, the soldiers did. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, and the disciples standing by, whom he loved. He saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then said he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. May God bless the reading of his sacred word. Once again, Lord Jesus, we are here to consume your word. Yes, to sup upon it and to be filled. May the spirit within us work within us to will and to do of thy good pleasure, and it is thy good pleasure that we believe with understanding thy word of truth. Help us to do that. Pray in your name. Amen. Sorry about this. My my nose is starting to run. So I will... I could say I will make haste, but you know me. Running nose and all... I will uh, endeavor to bring out what I want to bring out and bring up. But my verses, my text is mainly verses 26 and 27. When Jesus, therefore, saw his mother and disciples standing by whom he loved, he saith to his mother, Woman, behold thy son, and said to the disciple, Behold thy mother. 
Jesus spoke seven words in the six hours that he suffered on the cross before he died. The first word that he spoke was at nine o'clock in the morning when he said, Father, when they nailed him to the cross, they said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. The second word uh, was a little later that morning when he said to the thief, one of the thieves, uh, today thou shalt be with me in paradise, in response to his uh, request to remember him. And the third word is what we have before us tonight. It's the word that he spoke to his mother and to the disciple whom he loved, John. And initially, I think we have a response when we hear, woman, behold thy son, that that woman, that's a really a polite address. It's not what what we would read into it from the 21st century. Woman, come here. You know, sort of pejorative or a disrespectful way of speaking. I don't think any of us call our, our wives or our older daughters, woman, come. But here, it's a polite. Now, usually it's accompanied, uh, according to Raymond Brown in his commentary, it's accompanied by a... Uh, <clears throat> by this this woman here is a great woman. This woman is a virtuous woman. It's a it's sort of a, uh, an, an an address or a description of some woman. But just woman standing alone like this indicates something very very important. Again, it's not a disrespectful term. It was never used that way. The Arabs today use the term woman not as a term of disrespect. So what does it mean? What what is he saying here? Well, he's saying something very important. It's his farewell, his parting word to his mother and to the disciple whom he loved, John. So these are parting words. These are, these are words of farewell. So, in a sense, you can say that they're sad. This is, this is a sad moment. And Jesus, our Savior, is sad. And from sadness, he's, he's, he's saying this. Woman, behold thy son. And to John, behold thy mother. As you know, Jesus, the person of Jesus, has two natures. Divine and human. And I think we all understand this. I've mentioned this before, but... Just for clarification, he's divine. That means he's God. That means he's the son of God. 
That means he's the second person of the Holy Trinity. The only divine there is, is God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We never become divine. We partake of the divine nature now, but partaking of that nature and actually becoming divine is two different things. Jesus is divine. The person of Jesus is divine. Furthermore, the person of Jesus has a human nature. In that human nature, he has both a body and a soul. Every human has a body and a soul. So his body is human, flesh and blood, and his soul is human. It's not that Jesus in body is human and in his soul is divine. No. Divine means he's God. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, period. There is nothing else divine except God. Jesus, in his person, is divine and he's human. He has a human body and a human soul. He has a relationship because he is human, because he is flesh and blood, because he has a mother and he has friends and disciple, the disciple whom he loves, John. He has a relationship with these people. A deep-seated relationship. You may have, a question may have come to mind, well, why was he saying this to Mary and John? Were they the only two around at the time? And so he took the opportunity before he departed to address the two of these, uh, these loved ones? Pro- <clears throat> Joseph was probably dead by now. Uh, there's no mention of Joseph anywhere during his ministry and, and at this time. So Joseph, the father, who was much older than Mary when they married, much older, uh, probably died before Jesus even began his three-and-a-half-year ministry. Well, didn't Jesus have brothers and sisters? Mary had some other children by now? Yes. But they didn't believe. Not yet. After his resurrection, after his exaltation, his family came along. But before that, they weren't saved. They didn't believe, like Mary, their mother. So Mary and John are the right people here. And Jesus is speaking the right message uh, to them. Mary knew that her son was special. He knew he was, as the angel told her, he is called, when the one that's going to be born to you, is called the son of the highest. God would give to him the throne of his father David. Mary knew that Jesus Christ was the Savior come into the world to save his people from their sin. That's his name. Jesus means Jehovah's salvation. So Mary knew this. And so did John, of course. But there's a sad farewell here. If you, if you remember, Jesus' enemies had 
arrested him, condemned him to death, crucified him. Soon her beloved son was going to die and she would lose him. And so this farewell is very sad to Mary, but it was also sad to Jesus. It was very sad to him as well. The problem that Mary and John and the rest of the disciples had at this point was that they believed that he was the Savior come into the world to save people from their sins. But they didn't realize that he's the suffering servant of Isaiah 53, that Messiah himself, the Christ, would die for the sins of his people. That he'd be crucified in this way. That he'd be beaten with many stripes, as the prophet says. They didn't realize that. They thought that Messiah, when he came, was going to set up Jerusalem as the headquarters of God on earth. And that the, there was going to be the reign and rule of Messiah over the Jews, and the Jews were going to be the chosen to lead the nations. And so, here he is on the cross, and Mary doesn't understand, John doesn't understand just yet why this is. And so they're brokenhearted. Jesus is brokenhearted too. Death is very painful. I know you know this. And uh, perhaps the greatest pain in death is the fact that it severs all earthly ties. The people that are surrounding a person who is dying realizes that this person is never going to be seen again in this world. Every tie, everything that developed over the course of time is severed. And the closer the person is to you, the more painful, the more hurt there's involved. But it's not just for the people that are looking upon that person who is dying, a loved one. But it's also the dying person himself that's going through pain. Everything, every tie that he had is about to be severed. Everything that he has accomplished in life, all his labor and all the, everything he's accumulated in his life is going to be gone, erased. And most of all, the people whom he loved and he was attached to are going to be no more for him. And the more he loved someone, that person who was dying, the more he loved the person, the more pain he feels at his death. Yes, You and I feel pain when someone is dying before us, but when you're dying, you're going to feel pain too. 
having to leave uh, the one you love. Why I bring this out is because Jesus had a human nature. And he had grown attached, like it says right here, be, uh, to the disciple whom he loved. He loved John. He loved all his disciples, but especially John. He had developed close ties to John. And so Jesus, on the cross, was feeling the pain of death, of dying of that relationship between himself and his disciples, and particularly this disciple. But even greater than that was the love he had for his mother. The relationship between mother and son was about to be severed forever. And Jesus was feeling the pain of that as well. The suffering of our Lord was great, it was deep. And this is part of it. Jesus was dying. Mary and John were torn apart. Jesus was being torn apart in his human nature, suffering such hurt. As you know, he came to save a people from their sin. This included John, this included Mary. He came to take on the punishment. Uh, he, came, he came to take on all of our sins and the punishment, the wrath of God for, against our sins, to take it on at the cross. Part of his suffering was the severing of relationship, this, of ties, human ties between himself and his disciples and his mother in particular. That was part of our Lord's pain and suffering as well. Part of the punishment that he would receive on himself for taking on our sins. And so there's sadness here, deep sadness between mother and son between son and mother and disciple, Jesus and disciple. When we think about this, we can't help but consider the other thing as well. That Jesus is not only Mary's son, he's also Mary's savior. As I pointed out, he came to die for the sins of his people. He came to die for Mary's sins as well. He came to save his people from their sins. He came to save Mary as well. It had to be this way. She had to be saved too. Jesus has a relationship with all God's people. He has a particular relationship with his mother and with his 12 disciples and other, other people as well as he met along the way. Joseph of Arimathea and, and various other people, uh, people that he healed and helped. 
uh, also loved him. He was showing love to them. But he has a relationship, not only a human relationship, a physical relationship, an earthly relationship, but he also has a spiritual relationship. And of the two, the spiritual relationship is the more important relationship. That is the everlasting relationship. The human relationships, the earthly relationships, the earthly relationships that Jesus had with this disciple and his mother, for example, were temporary. They were not permanent. But the spiritual relationship he has as the elder brother of many brothers and sisters, that's eternal. And I have mentioned this to you, and you know about this, but I, I, I guess, I don't know if it's hard for you to accept. It's not hard for me to accept, at least not anymore. At one time it may have been. But in heaven, there are none of these relationships. There are no father, mother, sister, brother, uh, from an earthly point of view. In, in this world, we have husbands and wives and sons and daughters and grandsons and granddaughters and all those related. Those are all gone in heaven. There's no marriage in heaven. There's no having babies in heaven. There's none of this mother-daughter relationship in heaven or father-son relationship. It's not like that. These are relationships that we have and hold on to on earth. Nothing wrong with that's important. Jesus had it. But it's not meant to last. Far more important is the spiritual tie, the spiritual relationship that Jesus has, even with his mother and this disciple. And that gets behind the question, or it brings up the question, why does he address her woman instead of mother? Because, and, and it's, it's sad for him to do this, because he still has that human affection, that human tie. But he has to address the greater, the greater thing, and that is that this relationship that I'm your son and you're my mother is being severed. It's no more. Behold, he says to John, your mother. And to John, he says, and to Mary, he says, behold your son. The relationship, the human tie between mother and son is now being transferred to you. As I said, Joseph's out of the picture. His brothers and sisters are out of the picture because they're not believers. John is there with Mary. And John is given the opportunity and the responsibility of the eldest son. Jesus is the eldest son. Jesus has the responsibility to take care of his mother when the father is gone. Now he's transferring that eldest son responsibility to his disciple John to take care of Mary, his mother. In other words... He's, he's severing that relationship and he's bringing it into, into existence, a new relationship between John and Mary, like mother and son. John, you are to take care of Mary 
like I was taking care of Mary when I was here. As if you were her elder son. And Mary, you are to look at John as if he is your son. And go with him home. And continue the relationship here. In other words, he's caring for his mother, Mary, while she still remains on earth. And that is why he doesn't address her as mother, but as woman. A polite address and very special. Indicating it's special because he doesn't say, uh, marry this woman now or anything like that. He doesn't just say woman. Meaning that there's something else behind this and that what's behind it, and actually now in front, is the idea that he's severing his relationship, his earthly relationship with this woman, Mary, to go to be, to go to heaven. And he's establishing a relationship between the disciple and Mary to take care of her while he's in heaven and there on earth. Our Lord Jesus Christ cares cares about us in two ways. He cares about us physically. He takes care of us. In this case, he's taking care, he's meeting Mary's needs. by establishing a relationship between Mary and John. He's taking care of her physical needs because he's going to be gone. Our Lord Jesus Christ takes care of our needs too. He brings us together. I know. We think we do it all ourselves. We think it's luck, chance, accident, Maybe we grew up in high school together and it just so happens we've turned on to one another. Whatever it is. But God takes care of us in many ways. And one of the ways he takes care of us is to bring us together. And, for, uh, and he gives us children. And oftentimes he gives us children that become believers, just like we are. He gives believers to believers to take care of his sons and daughters, his elect sons and daughters. He gives them to his elect sons and daughters. That's one way. Jesus is taking care of us through our relationships. And we should, we should capitalize on that idea. Our relationships are very valuable. God has given us these relationships so that we can take care of one another. And love one another. And be perfect. Remember, Jesus was a perfect son. And Mary loved him deeply. And there was a bond between them that was, was so sad. Hurt so deeply when he had to finally leave. But he still took care of her. By assigning the Apostle John to be her son, and she, his mother. But now Jesus is not only our elder, he's Mary's elder brother, he was 
her eldest son, when he was on earth, and he had a relationship with her, but now in heaven, he's her elder brother. He's our elder brother as well. And he takes care of us physically. He brings all things into our lives. It's God that does that. From the day we're born to the day we die, everything has been arranged by him. And I know that sometimes it doesn't seem that way. And of course, our sin gets in the way and we rebel against God and then he has to discipline us and all this stuff. It gets complicated. There's dynamics here. But the point is, the general point is, that you should believe and understand is that God is taking care of you from cradle to grave. Not the government. God. And Jesus Christ in particular. Our elder brother is taking care of us physically. But he also takes care of us spiritually. And that's the more important thing. That's the everlasting aspect of our existence, if you will. The physical is going to end. That's temporary. At least this physical existence. We will be raised at the last day, but that's something beyond for now. But the spiritual, that is the everlasting aspect. That is the eternal aspect that's working in us. That is the the thing that we need to pay attention to most of all as we continue developing in our relationships and our exchanges and the, the, the intercourse of our lives. We are to develop the spiritual character because we are preparing to live everlastingly. And the relationships that God has provided for us now to take care of us and to help us and to help our children and our grandchildren, they're going to be gone. They're temporary. And so just as Jesus, at this cross, in, in all sadness and uh, discomfort, if you will, of soul. Remember, he had a human soul, and he is deeply, deeply wounded. It's part of the punishment he had to suffer for our sin. This, this separation. Death. The pain of it. He takes care of Mary. He takes care of us all. He watches over our physical needs. And he watches over our spiritual needs. And that should bring us a great comfort every day of our lives. He's taking care of us. And he will take care of us until we reach heaven. Nothing can stop that. Nothing can prevent it. If God is for us, who, what can come against us? One other thing I want to mention. We are uh, someday in heaven. We're going to be freed from the sin that hinders our relationships now. That's why it's so important for us to consider the spiritual. 
it's sin that causes us to dislike one another and fight with one another and be offended at one another and and you know all the upset in churches and amongst God's people and the disagreements and all that's sin that's going to be gone we are going to have perfect and peaceful and lovely relationships with one another in glory Maybe we should begin to work on that now a little bit better. Knowing that that's our destiny, if I may use that word in this context, that we are going to be in love with one another deeply. Let's pray. Heavenly Lord, we know you're taking care of us, and you're going to be taking care of just like you did with your mother, uh, Mary. Uh, You're going to take care of each and every one of us. Because you love us. And you do have a relationship with us. And we have a relationship with you. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that thou would find us reflecting that glorious and beautiful relationship that we have with you. Relationship that is born and developed in love. And may that continue among us all. We pray in your name. Amen.